This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak coming at you solo. One more episode. Just one, guys. We've got there. We've made it. Training camp starts on Wednesday. This will be the last pre-training camp podcast. And then we'll really start to actually have stuff to talk about. I'm just excited to have actual stuff to talk about, guys. I know that everyone wants podcasts over the offseason, and I, I'm more than happy to get them to you, but I become painfully aware of how much I've repeated myself and how much of the time I spend talking about stuff that just doesn't matter. You know, it's fun. You go through it. We talk about position battles and ranking positions and all this and, you know, free agents that never come here. Should the Saints trade for this guy, a trade they're never going to make? It's all got its time. It's all got its space. But man, <laughs> I just want to talk about football, and we finally will have that again as of Wednesday. We will have Mickey Loomis talking the day before, so there'll be some content out of that. But our next podcast will be coming until after the first practice, because that's when we're going to have stuff to tell you, and I don't want to throw another just bland podcast at you. This is the last one. I promise. <laughs> I promise. So with that in mind, we're going to continue our trend of bringing you interviews that we were able to do throughout the week. This is an interview I did with Odyssey NFL insider Ross Tucker. I've said his name so many times. I've almost said Ross Jackson so many times. This is not Ross Jackson. This is Ross Tucker, Odyssey NFL insider, former NFL player, former offensive lineman. And we get into a lot of the topics around the NFL right now, particularly what's going on with running backs. You know, it's something the Saints aren't really dealing with closely. But it's something this a lot of the teams the Saints are facing are dealing with. The Giants, you know, if they get to that matchup and the Giants don't have Saquon Barkley because he decides not to play, man, that changes the equation, doesn't it? If you remember that week four game, the Saints lost in the Superdome, uh, Saquon ate their lunch. So, you know, if suddenly teams just don't have their star running backs, if suddenly the running backs are withholding their services, man, that's going to change a lot of the NFL landscape. It's going to change a lot of matchups, so it's something to consider, even if the Saints aren't actively dealing with it because they did pay Alvin, right? Alvin Kamara isn't one of the players who was sitting there saying, man, my team has really screwed me over. He got his deal, and the Saints have done good by him, I think, as much as they could. So, you know, if he's not, I, we haven't heard him. He finally got back on social media. He's talking about, you know, whether how much you'd have to get paid to get punched in the face by Mike Tyson and how his mother says his name differently than he does. His mother actually says Kamara, which is, you know, uh, but that was the mind blown emoji. I know over a podcast it might not come, but that's 
Anyway, so we haven't really seen him weigh in beyond retweeting Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey, but it's going to be something that the entire NFL has to reckon with um, in terms of you don't want your star players holding out or holding in and forcing trades because you won't pay them. And that's going to be something that the NFL has to figure out how to navigate. So we get into that. We get into a lot about that. And we also talk about, you know, what sleeper teams are in the NFC, who the Saints could be competing with down the stretch. You think you might be surprised by his pick. Who might be a surprise Super Bowl contender? And yeah, so without further ado, here's our interview with Ross Tucker. Enjoy. Ross, how you doing, man? You getting excited for training camp? I am doing awesome. <laughs> and yes, I am way, way more excited for training camp now that I'm in the media than I was as a player. As a player, these were the worst days of the year. I dreaded every second of the impending training camp doom. But as a, a member of the media, yeah, it's kind of fun to get feel like you're getting going again. So I do have one question for you, and I saw you tweet about this. And I just I am curious. So these Madden ratings they come out every year, and everyone kind of reacts to them. As a player, do you do you really care what Madden says about you from like whether you can kick the ball really hard, even though they have no idea what your actual kick power is, stuff like that? You know what's so interesting about that? I never even paid attention okay. to what my Madden rating was when I was a player, but I actually recently interviewed the guy that's in charge of the Madden ratings. I interviewed him today, and I'm going to play that interview next week on the Ross Tucker (laughs) football podcast. And players nowadays, it is really important to them. Like, they get really mad about it. I remember maybe my junior year of college, for some reason on the EA College sports game, they had the Ivy League. I went mm-hmm. to Princeton. My agility was bad, and I just assumed that they got the information from the coaches because I thought, who else would know about the offensive linemen for the Princeton Tigers, right? So I went down to the football office, and I complained. I'm <laughs> like, you guys told them my agility was a 48? Are you kidding me? And they were laughing, and they said they had nothing to do with it. But I, I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled about that. But th- the most ironic thing is, I waited like my whole life to be in a video game like Madden, and then I get to the NFL, I make it, I'm in it, and by the time I got to the NFL, I didn't play video games anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, you grow up playing video games in high school, and then. Even in college, we would play video games all the time. And then and we would talk about, can you imagine being in it? Can you imagine actually being in it? And then I'm in it in the NFL, and, you know, younger kids are telling me how cool it is. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm like, a, I have a job now. Like, i got to pay bills. Like, I don't really play video games. I'm sure there is a sense of pride in it. But speaking about guys who do have high agility grades and high Madden grades is, you know, the running backs across the NFL that are struggling – to get paid. And, you know, we put out an episode of a podcast. I think I titled it, Why Does the NFL Hate Running Backs? And I don't know if that's necessarily the way to look at it, but it does seem like there is kind of an apathy toward protecting running backs with long-term contracts, knowing that it is such a high volatility position. And, you know, what is your kind of read on that situation? A guy like Saquon Barkley maybe holding out from training camp because he couldn't work out a long-term deal. He's, what, 26 years old? It seems crazy. But that's where we are at the end of, in the NFL right now. Well, so I think what has happened is most of the recent deals that have been done, big money deals for running backs, the teams have regretted it. 
because the player has either gotten injured or significantly declined quickly. You know, you think of Todd Gurley, you think of Zeke Elliott. And so I think in a lot of these cases, even star players, really good players, the teams have kind of regretted those contracts. Now, the flip side is I don't think the Titans regret the Derrick Henry contract. I don't think the Browns regret the Nick Chubb contract. I don't know. You guys have to tell me about the Saints and Kamara. It's a little bit different now that he's suspended, but up until this point, I think they've gotten a pretty good return on that investment from him, and there are still some really smart people that highly value running backs. I mean, even just for the Raiders and the and the Giants to pay Saquon and Jacobs or the Cowboys, Tony Pollard, $10 million for one year shows that they still value the position. Otherwise, they wouldn't pay a guy $10 million bucks for one year. Um, so they still care about that position, and Really smart football guys like Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay both tried to trade for Christian McCaffrey in his contract, and the Niners ended up getting him. But, you know, don't tell the Niners fans or Browns fans or Titans fans or even Saints fans that running backs don't make a difference in the outcome of games because it's pretty clear to me that Kamara has over the last few years. Yeah, to me, I think even even more beyond running backs, because I think there is a fair point to be made that later in a running back's career, when you're hit the 27, 28, 29, it does become difficult to sign someone to a long-term deal where you have to trust them. But to me, the question is, is the franchise tag system fair to the running back position, particularly first-round running backs? Because one of the reasons Alvin Kamara was able to secure his deal, he was a third-round pick. He didn't have that first or that team option for that fifth year, so they had to figure something out in that fifth year when he's still a year younger and there's less tread on the tires and I think you are a little more comfortable giving out that five-year deal which is what he got I I think to me that's the biggest question is how do you make that system equitable where you're Saquon Barkley you might not hit free agency until your seventh year right you get that four-year contract fifth-year option that first year of the franchise tag which is this year and then next year they'd have to pay through the nose but they might still do it and that that to me is the bigger the bigger issue if you're a first-round running back you really kind of get hosed well, listen, I mean, there's nothing stopping the Giants from tagging him for $12 million next year. Right. And so then Saquon would have to go seven years before he hits free agency. That is infuriating to me mm-hmm. as a former player. My whole career was seven years. Seven years is twice the average. The average for guys that make a roster is like three and a half years and Saquon has to do twice that potentially to be able to hit the open market, that really bugs me. You know, this isn't baseball. And by the way, he wasn't even allowed to go to the NFL until after his third year. He easily could have gone after his second year at Penn State, right, and started this clock earlier. To me, it it, it honestly, it's anti-American. It bothers me. Now, look, you know, it's a collectively bargained agreement. The owners got it in at one point. It became something that the players didn't think it was going to be. They thought it was going to be just for, like, being able to keep your franchise quarterback and pay him more than anybody else. And now it's like the franchise tag number has gone down recently. With the way the salary cap has gone up, there is no way the franchise tag number should be going down. And, And the reality is, guys, I talked about this this week on social media, at Ross Tucker NFL, and on my show, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, running backs 
need to hold in Mm -hmm. after their third year like Zeke Elliott did. And what I mean by that is you're still under contract. You know, nowadays there's an automatic $50,000 fine if you miss any day of training camp. So you go to training camp, and then the first day, you know, maybe your hamstring gets a little bit tight or maybe your back's a little bit sore. And you you withhold your services until they give you a deal that, that's fair because those teams don't want to play games without these guys. You know, it's and, funny you mentioned that because C.J. Gardner-Johnson did that exact thing last year during camp and then got traded to the Eagles. So it does work. It absolutely works. And got, you know, Jalen Ramsey got traded from the Jaguars to the Rams. They got a huge contract from the Rams by doing it. It does work. And, you know, every once in a while when I mention this, fans will say it's, you know, it's immoral, it's unethical. That makes me laugh. I mean, you'll never get one current or former player to say that because we all have a million stories of the teams doing whatever they can to get out of paying guys any dollar amount. So I guess Ross, I guess my question would be for you. I, I kind of, I absolutely agree with the point about the franchise tag, and I, I think it is kind of infuriating that Saquon Barkley has to wait that long to potentially enter free agency. But how do you revise it? Like, can you do you just try and get rid of it altogether, or is there a way that it can be fixed without re- getting rid of it? No, I don't think you can revise it, and I don't think they're going to. And I'll tell you why because there's over 2,000 players in the NFL when you consider the practice squad now and guys on IR and all that stuff. And the union is made up of, like, out of those 2,000, 1,900, definitely 1,800, but 1,900 would never get franchise tagged. And so the last thing they're going to give up is – something else they could get in the negotiation with the league so that the rich guys that get franchise tagged don't have to complain about that. 19, you know, 95% of the guys in the NFL would, would cry tears of joy if they got franchise tagged. I mean, if I got franchise tagged, I would have run to the facility as fast as I could, <laughs> uh, punched the guy in the face, and signed it as fast as I possibly could before somebody took it away from me. You know, that's the thing I feel like that that people lose sight of sometimes is that for the vast majority of NFL players, it's, it's, a, it's an issue that would never, ever affect them. And so they're not – that's not an issue that the Players Association is going to be able to rally around on. No, I mean, like, you look at a guy like Kirk Cousins, I think he got franchise tagged twice, but, I mean, he made, I think, well, what was it, $23 million on that second franchise tag and then still signed that lucrative contract. The issue is the running backs is their careers just don't last that long. Um, but, you know, when you when you kind of just shift gears to another guy who was a cost-cutting type player this year with DeAndre Hopkins, I do kind of find it amusing that he's went and signed with the Titans because that seems to be kind of the, the island of misfit wide receivers who just go there and get that picture in the Titans jersey. I think so Julio Jones last year, Randy Moss. I think I'm missing one. Uh, but this year it's DeAndre Andre Hopkins. Johnson. Yes. Andre Johnson. That's the one. Um, <laughs> what are your expectations for DeAndre? Because I do think that he is at a point in his career where he is 
got got more tread left on the tires than those three guys we mentioned. And the Saints obviously face him week one. So what are some of your expectations for DeAndre down in Tennessee? Well, so first of all, you know, he did the right thing in my mind. I mean, I know a lot of people were saying, go to the Chiefs or go to the Bills and mm-hmm. win a Super Bowl. Well, first of all, the Bills have only even been to one AFC championship game in the five years Josh Allen's been the starting quarterback. So to think if I go there, they're going to win the Super Bowl, man, you, you got to think pretty highly of yourself. And the Chiefs, I mean, it's been 20 years since somebody repeated, right? So, like, the odds of that, not real good for the Chiefs at all. So, and by the way, that sounds good until you realize how hard it is to pick the team that's actually going to win the Super Bowl and how close those playoff games. And also, you're DeAndre Hopkins. Are you going to take less than a third of the money that Odell Beckham Jr. got from Odell Beckham Jr. didn't play a snap last year? You're not going to take less than a third of that. So he went to a team where there's no state income tax. Nashville is an awesome city, much like New Orleans. And here's the thing. He got paid well, and with incentives I think he can reach, he'll get more than Odell. But also, he went to a team that I think has a great chance to win that division. I mean, I don't think the Colts are going to be great with a rookie quarterback. Same with the Texans, rookie quarterback. So then it becomes the Jaguars or the Titans. And, I mean, Mike Vrabel and the Titans are probably thinking, well, listen, we almost won the division last year without Tannehill. I mean, we had Joshua Dobbs a week (laughs) off the couch come in here and we had the lead in the fourth quarter against the Jaguars. If Tannehill's healthy, and with DeAndre Hopkins, we win this division. I guess my question is, is, is Ryan Tannehill that guy? Because they, they obviously love to draft that third-round quarterback. They took Malik Willis. It seems like they're kind of out on him. Now they're on Will Levis. Is, is Ryan Tannehill going to get a chance in that job, or are they kind of just trying to find his replacement? Well, so this is the last year that he has guaranteed money right. in his deal. And so they, I think they probably would have been willing to trade him, but they couldn't find a taker. I think that they probably are going to, you know, they realize they're going to move on from him after this season. So they wanted to kind of get the heir apparent waiting in the wings. And that is exactly what Will Levis represents. And most people, I think, thought Levis certainly needed some time before he'd be ready to go. So to me, I feel like it makes perfect sense you know you have Tannehill for one more year they got a a kind of a rebuilt offensive line a young offensive line I think that O-line you know Tannehill will get the ball out quickly I think they have success this year wouldn't be surprised they win the division and then look if Tannehill lights it up you can keep him you can keep him for another year if not and you transition to Levis in year two all right so so Ross I'm going to put you a bit on the spot here but we're going to go for it. You know, it seems in the NFL every year there is one team maybe or more that kind of just comes out of nowhere and surprises people and gets to the playoffs. If you had to pick a team that people might not be on the lookout for right now that could be that team, who would it be? Well, so the team that I think could come out of nowhere and make a run for, like, the Super Bowl mm-hmm. is the Detroit Lions. Okay. I don't know that they're considered coming out of nowhere for the playoffs this year after winning nine games last year, including that last one against the Packers. 
But I, I could see the Lions coming out of nowhere and 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 making a run, a deep run in the playoffs. I guess the team out of nowhere to make the playoffs would be the Atlanta Falcons. You know, they've won seven games the last couple of years with a pretty terrible roster. I mean, really bad. And last year, they did not get very good quarterback play from Mariota. Maybe their best skill position guy, Kyle Pitts, was hurt. And they still won seven games. And by the way, they only had two guys on defense that you could even name. And I know you guys are on there with them, and people won't be happy to hear this, <laughs> but now they have B. John Robinson. They'll get Pitts back. You know, they actually brought some guys in on defense, Calais Campbell, some Saints like Anyamada. I, I, I think Atlanta's got a great chance to win that division. In fact, I think, you know, it's, it, it's going to be – I could see any of those teams win the division. I think Tampa probably lasts for me. But I think it's Atlanta and New Orleans are going to be battling it out for the NFC South. Ross, kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum from Jeff's question, I think that it's also kind of interesting with overturn, there's always a couple teams that disappoint, right? So looking at last season, teams that made the playoffs, maybe even won their division, come into the season with high expectations, maybe looking at double-digit wins, which of those teams flops this upcoming season? Yeah, it's probably an AFC team just because of how tough the AFC is. You know, I could see that. I could see it being the Niners in the NFC with their quarterback situation if Purdy's not able to play. Um, In the AFC, you know, it could be the Buffalo Bills simply because of just how good that division is. You know, I mean, the the division is just – the Dolphins are loaded. You know, the Jets with Rodgers are really good. I could see the Bills, you know, potentially being third in that division maybe not even making the playoffs. That would that would be a surprise. One of the things that surprised me, I was look, I was kind of doing just kind of going through and looking at all the running backs. The Bills' running back tandem is Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. That doesn't exactly, you know, we talk about people not being able to pay star running backs. The Bills aren't even trying. But thanks so much for the time, Ross. It was very insightful and uh, enjoy enjoy training camp as you get to watch it as a media member. Sounds great. See you guys. Thanks, man. And thanks so much again to Ross Tucker for coming on the pod and WWL radio a lot of good insight there i did think it was very funny how he went to his former strength and conditioning staff and was like hey why did you tell matt and i had terrible agility and they said we didn't they guess and that's you know uh charlie long is our producer you've heard him on the pod before he gets so annoyed every time i bring up Madden rankings because it's just a waste of time and it sure is but the players they do care and it is funny because it's not based on anything. There is no basis in terms of, oh, man, they watched him run the 40 and they did this. They watched every snap of him, uh, his rookie season, and they came up with this, you know, strength grade. It's so arbitrary. And, <laughs> and it is. But it's you know, like I said, it's the offseason. We got to have something to talk about. So, again, I think thanks for Ross for coming on. I thought he had a lot of interesting things to say. And so let's wrap up this segment. We're coming back with the defensive side of the equation to answer the question, who are the top UDFAs to watch slash have the best chance to make the roster because that's the real question. Who of these UDFAs is an actual threat to make the roster? There are a lot of UDFAs out there and you're going to kind of get to know them over the next month or so, but there are different levels of, of who you're watching that you don't know and who you're watching that you don't really need to know. And I, I don't want that to be, sound offensive to anybody. They're all working hard. They're all trying to get a job. 
but there are some who are a lot closer to that, and that's who we're going to be breaking down. We broke down the top three on the offensive side, which was Shaq Davis, Ellis Merriweather, and Alex Pilstrom, at least to me, and now we're going to be going into the defensive side. So stick around for that on Inside Black and Gold.